Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. That should sound very familiar to those who have watched Back to the Future. McFly, McFly, anybody there? Back to the Future. I love that movie. Welcome to Trending with Timory. Clearly, I'm not Timory. My name is Damon Owens, and I am delighted to be a guest host this evening for Timory as we continue to pray for her and celebrate her time with her brand new baby. And I guess there's a nice tie in there. I, I would imagine if she's anything like. Melanie and I and our eight kids, when we had that new baby, that's a great way to go back to the future. You look in your kid's eyes and you just wonder, like, who are you? Who are you going to become? And uh, it's just a great, a great vision. Well, today's show is going to be fantastic because we are going to be looking to the future in, in our own particular way. Um, our guests today, both on the technology side with uh, Matt Pinto and with uh, Christopher West in the second hour, second half of the hour, helping us to uh, really discern some of the opportunities, some of the uh, threats, if you were, using the theology of the body for for the future. So this is a Back to the Future episode as we're going through. I remember if you've ever been to the airport, I think it's Pittsburgh. I travel quite a bit speaking, but this one I always love when I land in Pittsburgh. There's a, a giant display called uh, Yesterday's Airport of the Future. Oh, no, Yesterday's Airport of Tomorrow. So imagine yourself being back in like 1950, 1960, and wondering, wow, in the year 2000, what would an airport look like? And uh, it's it's hilarious now being post-2000, looking back at what they thought the future might be. So yesterday's airport of tomorrow, and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll have some better analysis using Theology of the Body today as we talk about technology and we... Again, talk about some of the more humanist opportunities and threats uh, that could be part, may not be part, of our future. Again, my name is Damon Owens. Uh, I'm an uh, evangelist for the last, oh my gosh, 25, well, 30 years, uh, first executive director of the Theology of the Body Institute. So you'll, you'll pick up a lot of my lens, a lot of my language in uh, all topics, really go back to this beautiful teaching of Pope St. John Paul II that uh, he gave us way back, at least way back to us, uh, 1979 to 1984, 
but really started to gain steam, gain notice and really uh, relevance for the culture as he wanted, uh, you know, in these last 20 years or so. And we're seeing now, you probably heard yourself at least the phrase theology of the body. If not, you'll get a nice introduction to that today. But you know, I was thinking, I I'd attended just, well, I guess it was back in uh, November. We can clarify that with our first guest here, but went to the Catholic Crypto Conference. And it was here in the Philadelphia area, but it drew people from around the country really looking at this next wave. I think I could use that phrase, this next wave of technology uh, with the, the obvious connection with Catholics and what our opportunities could be as entrepreneurs, our opportunities could be as uh, as Catholics in the evangelization field. And I love the question, and we'll pose it again to our first guest here, Matt Pinto, in a moment, that question, you know, what if we knew back in the day what the internet would be like? I mean, back in the day, like in, you know, the 90s before it really exploded into what we, we have now, if we knew then what we know now, how differently would we have engaged either as an institution or individually? It's one of those, you know, back to the future questions about, knowledge and 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 foreknowledge and but also thinking about the proper role you know what is the proper role of uh, faithful catholics when new technologies come around and that's probably a good entry point to introduce uh matt pinto uh, matt pinto uh, first and foremost is a, a friend because of just uh, god's great circumstances but he's really very much a, a pioneer in Catholic marketing and ministry development. He's uh, many initiatives really since the early 90s. He founded Ascension Press back in 1998 and uh, founded Spark Catholic Communications and co-founder of the Theology of the Body Institute. Uh, Envoy Magazine, if you remember that fantastic magazine, Patrick Madrid was part of that. Um, the Maximus Group and Catholic Exchange. He's authored more than a dozen books and resources uh, throughout the years and part of Catholic marketing. But really, he's one of these guys that when I look to the future, uh, when I look to you know this right role of being Catholic in, in the world, uh, it was no-brainer that he was connected with the, the Catholic Crypto Conference. And of course, come to find out, that's really a tip of uh, many spears that he's working in with his new venture, uh, the Genesis Group. So help me welcome Matt Pinto. Matt, welcome to the show. Damon, it's good to hear your voice. Uh, I, I truly say this, uh, you're one of the, my favorite people to speak to when we get the chance to catch up. Ah, oh, there you go. You've earned your beer. That's great. <laughs> now I can, you get your free beer. Well said. Now, but Matt, really, there honestly, uh, even if we, we weren't, you know, uh, friends here, your your history as uh, really just a uh, an engaged, not just a solid, uh, faithful Catholic, but someone on the business side who's really looked you know, I look at you as sort of the top of the mountain looking out into the horizon and saying, not only where is the culture going, but, you know, what's the what's the place where Catholics need to be front and center? And I was delighted to get uh, your invitation to the Catholic uh, Crypto Conference. And maybe we can use that as, as a jumping off point here to pick your brain about this back to the future as Catholics. Um, let me just ask you right now, why should Catholics or even the church itself be, you know, attentive to technological changes that could uh, really change large sections of our culture, um, the economy, and otherwise. You know, what's what, what should be what should the church be attentive to in these changes? Yes, um, good question. You know, uh, 
I love the church for so many reasons, and I'm not a shill. I love it because I think I've tested it, and and it's found itself strong in its answers. Mm-hmm. And two of the concepts that I that I like in relation to this idea of technology is that God, we refer to God as Creator, God the Father. Therefore, Damon, any kind of human creation, I view as a little bit of a spark of the divine. It, it's showing um, God's creativity in the world through us, his creatures. And so anytime I see a new technology, I think anytime a Catholic see a new technology, yes, we should always exhibit prudence, but I think we should have a heart that is hopeful that God is doing something new, and somehow it's all connected to the plan of salvation. So first, this hopeful expectation that any new uh, technology, any new advancement in the culture, having a hopeful heart that maybe something good is about to happen. Secondly, when God became man in the person of Jesus Christ, the God-man Jesus Christ, to me, that was an affirmation that the created world is good. Yes, it's fallen, Mm -hmm. but God's first impulse is that it's good. And so in light of those two uh, pillars, I think we Catholics should have a great openness and even an eagerness and a hopefulness towards technology. And yeah. and we should absolutely then put it through the gauntlet of, of intellectual rigor and, and to to look at it and test these spirits uh, to see and use the gift of prudence. But uh, I, I tend to look at technology, as I believe the Church does, favorably and until proven otherwise. Well, it's interesting because I think the, the public perception is the, is the opposite. I wouldn't say perception. I would say the narrative. The narrative is that somehow the church being so, quote unquote, conservative or so, you know, rooted in spiritual matters that the default position uh, is almost antagonistic to technologies. But you sound so hopeful about not only, you said the institutional church, but you're talking about individual Catholics and an, and an expertise and an engagement with this. Is that right? Yeah, I mean that's that. First off, your assessment I think is is correct about the world's perception. But the reason why I think though that the church and individual Catholics is or should be this way is uh, because again, God became man, and the created world is uh, is His creation, and and we're called to engage it and leverage it and harness it. Uh, for the good and and mitigate those instances of misuse. So, but that is the perception, and and I do think you know the church moves slowly at times mm. uh, because it, it needs to. It's a big church. It needs to assess everything from a universal perspective, not simply a Westchester, Pennsylvania perspective. <laughs> and so it has to be prudent, and we ultimately benefit from that, even if in the short run we get a little frustrated. For example, uh, you spoke about the internet. Um, Clearly, although the Church issued a statement early, I think 1994, uh, uh, that really spoke favorably of the potential of the Internet, it then proceeded to really not do much uh, for, you know, most of the next five to ten years. It, it, uh, so it just moves slowly because it's big and it's dealing with a lot of things, which is why I think the, the secret ingredient, Damon, is to have well-formed laypeople who can do these calculations sort of in their head, just based on Catholic instincts, good theology, good philosophy, and we can move much more quickly 
and then the church can bring us uh, back if we need to be brought back. But um, uh, that, to me, is an optimum, is a well-formed laity who can move more nimbly on these things. Yeah, I got to tell you what I love about that, Matt, and I'd love to hear from our listeners here. You guys know the number, 888-914-9149, if you want to join this conversation about our future here uh, as Catholics. What I love about your, your, your laying out is that we started out with technology, and you immediately looked at the Catholic theology and, and, and God and creation and, and really using that as the foundation that we should be moving with and toward technology and not away from it. Let me, let me pose you a, 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 a hypothetical question here, because almost in the way that you posed to me you sure. know, weeks ago, what was the Catholic response to the internet back in the day when it first arrived on the scene, let's say in the early 1990s? And how has that affected the way that you're looking in your, your future lens now with technologies? Yeah, good question. Um, I, I was there, I was younger then, and you know, probably a little bit more ditzy in the head and probably equally distracted. But but I remember um, having a, a reaction to the Internet that um, because I, I would have been strong in my faith, I probably would have been more of a new convert. So I would have been particularly guarded about things. Um, but I remember thinking uh, that the words Internet and World Wide Web sounded pretty scary. Um mm. Am, what am I going to get caught up into this? Is this some type of grand conspiratorial uh, thing from from the man, the power, the you know captains of the universe trying to uh, capture we you know kind of conservative Christians in some type of nefarious you know action or you know web, if you will? And then also mm-hmm. the idea of electronic mail. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you know, correspondence electronically, or I'm gonna put my credit card on the internet and buy things. So I my reaction was probably that of most and including the conservative institution of the church. And so, you know, we were slow in some regards, but what really that taught me though, about uh, the recent thing that we did with the whole blockchain cryptocurrency web three conference was uh, we took more of a risk. And Damon, I got to tell you that I, I hemmed and hauled for about two months as to whether I wanted to do this. I had built up pretty good reputation over these 30 or so years uh, in the Catholic apostolate. I knew when people first heard it that I was doing this, they would think it's whack. And like, what is Matt (laughs) doing here? But, But I knew, though, after I had a chance, and it really only took about 90 seconds, to share the narrative of why we needed to boldly go here to explore and to, quote, ask the questions. Um... I, I knew that that eight or nine out of ten would would see that not only is it a reasonable, it's probably a good idea. So there really was a head of steam in light of the lackluster performance I felt the church had in the mid to late '90s and early 2000s with this new technology known as the internet. And um, yeah, but there was there was hesitancy. But I, I concluded, you know, what if? And that's what I kept on coming back to, and I'll close on this point. Those words, what if? What if these technologies that I and millions are reading about really are unique and special in another paradigm shift? We can't have the church running a conference eight to ten years from now. We need to do it now. 
Yeah. And that goes to the spirit of what you're saying in terms of being, uh, in a sense, proactive instead of just reactive to the culture. I mean, our listeners, we're hearing right now so many new terms and vocabulary that, you know, as easy it is to make fun of, you know, our interpretation back in 1992, uh, we're in the same spot right now. We hear things like blockchain technology, cryptocurrency, Web 3.0, metaverse. Uh, you know, we're hearing all of these things. I heard a lot of them at your at your um, your your conference, the Craft the Crypto Conference. Um, guide us just a moment here on more of what that conference uh, intended to do, what the successes were, and where do you think you're going from here with your broader work with um, your incubator work at the Genesis Group? Yes. Um, so maybe maybe a definition might also be helpful to kind of grease the wheels here because sure. I'm sure there's some mental somersaults that people are already going through because we hear about cryptocurrency and we hear about the scandals and things, which, you know, is true in any new industry, you're going to get this. So when I say crypto in this interview right here, cryptocurrency is kind of one seventh of the definition of the word crypto. Um, hmm. It really means a whole host of things. Uh, the, the technology that undergirds cryptocurrency is called blockchain. And when blockchain and cryptocurrency come together, they sort of have babies. And the babies are these new creations, just like e-commerce was a, a creation that came after the Internet. And email was a creation that sort of came after the Internet. So, mm. um, But the purpose of the conference was really maybe three and fourfold. First – to explore, to ask the question, to let the conversation begin. Is there something powerful here that the church can use for the common good and for the sake of the gospel? Secondly, if there is something special here, we need to have a seat at the table. Can you imagine 30 years ago at the advent of the internet, if the church was really in the world's face in regards to the internet, it's very possible, Damon, that we could have affected the whole pornography presence by requiring, for example, instead of a pornography website having an extension.com, we could have made the extension.xx. And hmm. any website that has .xx is immediately blocked. And so hmm. the church could have been there to mitigate, point two, mitigate the misuses. The third reason is I really wanted to see if we would have moments of combustibility, if that's a word, of putting Catholic philosophers, theologians, and pastoral ministers in the same room for two days, 35 speakers, 40 conferences, uh, seminars, with technologists, finance experts, and crypto blockchain experts. And I'm mm. uh, um, here to report that we did. Uh, if, if the, the surveys were just almost 99% unanimous that this was fabulous, this was great. Um, we had about 220 people present. About 60% yeah. of them got on airplanes to come to this event. So we, mm. we struck a nerve. You know, I, I can add to that. I mean, I, the... The quality of the presentations, the breadth, and really the transparency really felt like uh, very much proactive, very much at an early adoption, but not to the point of, of risky, but of, of the, almost the right time, you know, to say, okay, what would be our proper role, uh, you know, in all the different variations, whether you're in ministry as a ministry head, whether you're in the finance world, whether you're in the tech world, whether you're going to, you know, as a user of a lot of these technologies. It's just, it just really, it felt really good to have such a solid Catholic presence talking about such leading ed technology and how it could possibly be shaped for us. So I, I amen to that. 
Um, you know, and thank you. And the week before is when the FTX, that that centralized exchange yes. uh, scandal blew up. And I had probably a half dozen, maybe 10 people saying, ah, bad timing of your conference. And I said, actually, no, it's huh. precisely for reasons like these these scams or blow ups that Catholics need to be informed. So I actually almost used the word providential that the conference was placed you know, a week after uh, really what was one of the biggest financial scandals in, in human history. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, we've got a call here from Tom in uh, Tucson, Arizona. He's also uh, calls himself a technologist, and he's very grateful for this. Uh, Tom, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for hosting in Timory's absence, and thanks for this guest. I, I wish I would have heard the, this uh, Catholic Crypto Conference promoted on uh, Relevant Radio. I would have attended for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, you call yourself a Catholic um, technologist. What do you mean by that? So, I've been um, I've been developing machine learning algorithms for thirty some years. When people talk about Factory Four Point I mean, I'm working on factory 5.0, which is mm. blockchain implementations. Well, so it's, um, you know, the advent of what people talk about is AI and machine learning. You know, I see the blockchain as bringing, uh, it's truly revolutionary. And when people understand what it does at the fundamental level, it's going to change all the aspects of all of our commercial engagements. Yeah. So it's exciting. And, and, you know, as your guest pointed out, there's so much fear because there's a conflation. People think cryptocurrency is synonymous with, with what blockchain technology is. And that, that, that really isn't. And, and I appreciate the way you described it because it's, um, it, that was a very good description. You know, it's kind of like the source versus the result. That's great. That's fantastic. Tom, Tom, uh, Tom thanks for your comments. A few quick thoughts. And again, I say this maybe partially for commercial, but ultimately we did the conference as a service to the church. You can get access to all 42, I think it was, seminars at the virtualcatholicconference.com website. And and we put a, a very modest, very modest, I think it's $59, which is almost free in a sense for 42 presentations. Um, So you can do that, point one. Point two, we are building a Catholic crypto community uh, and uh, to begin to start doing uh, virtual meetups and, uh, uh, you know, various focus groups on Web3 and blockchain. And uh, we're also, Tom, coming out with a light paper versus a white paper from the conference. Uh, We had... um, in fact, I was editing it today. Um, so we should be releasing that in maybe a month or so. So if you can go to CatholicCryptoConference.com, sign up, you'll get on our uh, email list, and, and you'll hear when these things come out. The light paper is, is going to be just given out free to the church in a whole host of different areas, blockchain, NFTs, Web3, with the goal being that lay people like you, like me, we just start running and and seeing what we can create uh, for the church and the common good. Wonderful. You're listening to Matt Pinto, our guest here on Trending with Tim Marie. My name is Damon Owens, the guest host. And uh, Matt, we got about a minute or so. Maybe you could just close with some of your your broader thoughts and uh, about the Catholic presence and the opportunities in this new internet. What would be sort of your your closing comments? 
Yeah, I, I would say, again, I, I really like this concept that we Catholics should have a hopeful heart about new creations, uh, point one. Point two, when Tom spoke about blockchain touching almost every aspect of life, that's pretty big. And from what mm. I hear, accurate. And so we yeah. Catholics, we need to be here because if not, we'll, we'll be behind. Now, we don't want to worship technology. It's a means to an end. Uh, but if our hearts are guarded and we realize where this is all pointing, our own sanctification and the sanctification of our fellow man and woman, then, then I think we can mostly keep these things in their proper context and control them versus them controlling us. Fantastic. Matt, thank you so much for uh, joining us today, but also for, you know, that futuristic uh, zeal that you have about making sure that the church and individual Catholics in particular really are part of this this new future. So, as you said, I recommend people visit the Catholic uh, Crypto Conference, specifically the virtualcatholicconference.com, looking for the Crypto Conference uh Catholic Crypto Conference content, but also I'd love to bring you back and talk more about your other initiatives with uh, the Genesis Group, with some incubators and curating some uh, some other technologies and organizations. But thanks for your time, Matt, and thanks for everything you do. Thanks, Damon. Bye-bye. You're listening to, again, Trending for with Timory. My name is Damon Owens, guest hosting for Timory as she continues her wonderful time with her new baby. We are back to the future, and we'll be back just after this break. listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Welcome back to Trending with Timory. My name is Damon Owens, guest hosting while Timory is away during her new baby. And we are back to the future. Uh, this first segment I had a chance to speak with Matt Pinto about uh technology opportunities and responsibilities for Catholics in the in the new internet but continuing along with that uh, back to the future theme we are blessed and, and really honored to uh, welcome Christopher West who serves as uh, president of the Theology of the Body Institute outside of Philadelphia he's also a professor of theological anthropology uh, with Pontifex University and most of us know him well for his global lectures his best-selling books, really his uh, groundbreaking work in making St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body known to us at whatever level that we're open to, but really a visionary in that back-to-the-future sense of, of how this Theology of the Body and the heart of St. John Paul II really is about uh, reclaiming, but also living in the present moment, this great, beautiful truth about who we are made in the image and likeness of God. And you know, on a personal level, Christopher is a friend, a truly friend and a mentor, teacher of mine who really helped me way back since about 2003. I'll, I'll quiz him on that, about 2003, uh, in helping to speak this language of hope, this language of the future, and really putting on these lenses. Uh, you'll love his podcast, Ask Christopher West, hosted by his wife, Wendy. It's one of my uh, my daily binges of getting into the real application of this theology of the body. If not, you may have heard him on uh, ABC News, Fox News, MSNBC, and numerous Catholic and evangelical outlets. I don't want to make this an obituary, but Christopher, welcome to Trending with Timory. Friend, it's good to be with you. 
<laughs> it is a delight, and we're under that same pressure that we know so often of with time. Uh, so I, I think I'd love to just you know hear you share when we talk about Back to the Future, and I'm not going to call you Biff. I don't know who you are. <laughs> I don't know who you're going to play. I you could be I Professor hope I'm not Biff. Yeah, that, I don't know why that was maybe, the first name that came out of my head. McFly. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm Doc. Maybe I'm the Mad Professor. Right, yeah, that, oh, I like that. But then that that makes me. I might be Biff. So we'll, we'll think about that. But if we're going with all these alternate futures and all these 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 things that could happen, you've always been so hopeful in your teaching of the theology of the body, both and applying it. I just love to pick your brain as you're looking at the cultures we're seeing now, not so much from the tech view of our friend. Uh, Matt Pinto, but from a humanist view, what is your lens showing you about both threats uh, and opportunities here about the future of humanity? I'll tell you the scripture that comes to my mind, Damon. It's, you know, Jesus says, you know, when the wind comes from the south, it's going to be warm. Mm. You know, when the clouds are coming in, it's going to rain. You can read the signs of the weather, but why can't you read the signs of the times? Mm. And I, I think a lot of us are kind of in a, we're tempted to despair because we look at the crisis the world is facing here, but we're not reading the signs of the times. What does that mean to read the signs of the times? Well, I often say God speaks to us in sign language, but if nobody's taught us how to read that sign language, we're, we're not going to know what God's saying. The fundamental sign that God has given us, indeed, if I'm to use the language of John Paul II, which I am want to do, the, the primordial sign, the original sign, the fundamental sign God has given us to understand who he is, who we are, what this world is about, what our ultimate destiny is, and how we get there, and also to understand the nature of the battle between good and evil, the fundamental sign we have to understand is our creation as male and female in the call of the two to become one flesh. Mm. Damon, have you noticed Mm. that this sign, maleness, femaleness, marriage, is under violent, uh, (laughs) violent attack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, That is what we have to read. We have to read what is this attack and why is it under such violent attack and what can we say about it? And what does this say about the future? In order to understand this sign, our creation as male and female, what it means, and the battle between good and evil, we have to go to Ephesians chapter 5 and Ephesians chapter 6. What do we learn in Ephesians chapter 5? Here, St. John Paul II tells us that in this short passage, we have a summary of everything God wants to tell us about who he is, who we are, why we're here, how we are to live, what our ultimate destiny is, and how to get there. That's mm. a bold statement. Mm. And, and you know as well as I, Damon, what Ephesians 5 is all about. It's about the great mystery of our being male and female, and the two being called to become one flesh. But then, Damon, I'll let you fill in the kicker. St. Paul says, this is a great mystery, and... I mean in reference to Christ and the Church. I mean in reference to Christ and the Church. Hold on, time out. How is it 
that our creation as male and female and the call of the two to become one flesh, how is that a sign of Christ's union with the church? Well, the full context here, it's a quote from Genesis. St. Paul quotes Genesis and he says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Think about it, Damon. It's Christ who left his father in heaven It's Christ who left the home of his mother on earth to give up his body for his bride so that we, the church, the bride of Christ, might become one flesh with him. Mm. Where do we become one flesh with Christ? In the Eucharist. In the Eucharist. When the bridegroom says to the bride, this is my body given up for you. Here we have, at the source and summit of everything we believe as Catholics, this great sign, this great mystery, this great communion of Christ and the Church. It's a marital union. Christ Mm -hmm. is the bridegroom. The Church is the bride. And this, this is why, if we're reading the signs of the times, this is why the human body, in its maleness and femaleness, and the call of the two to become one in marriage, this is why these realities, sex, gender, marriage, the family, this is why they're under such violent attack, because there is an enemy Hmm. who does not want us to know who we really are, and he doesn't want us to know our destiny. Speaking of destiny, I think something that happened on August 15th, 1950 Hmm. is critical for us to read the signs of the times. Damon, tell tell our listeners what happened on August 15th, 1950. You're going to have to help me. I was was negative 16, but go ahead. (laughs) No, well, what's the feast day on August 15th? August 15th is the... August 15th is the feast feast of the Assumption. (laughs) Thank you. And in 1950... Pope Pius XII declared infallibly the ultimate dignity of the human body. He declared infallibly as a dogma of Catholic faith that Mary's body has has been assumed into the infinite ecstasy of the Trinity. Mm, This mm, is mm. our destiny, right? This is where the bride goes. You know, when we pray the rosary and Mm. and we pray into the glorious mystery of the assumption and then the crowning, most of us don't realize the nuptial symbolism of those mysteries, right? The crowning of Mary, queen of heaven and earth, is a nuptial reality. And here I'm drawing from Eastern theology that when a husband and wife get married, uh, there's a crowning in the Eastern nuptial liturgy. When Mary is crowned, she's crowned as the eternal bride, the bride Mm. of love eternal. And the assumption of Mary, we could see as the bride kind of walking up the aisle, right, Mm. to to meet the bridegroom, Mm. right? This is the destiny of the church. The destiny of the church is revealed in the destiny of Mary, and her humanity, body and soul, has been taken up into the Trinitarian bliss. Now, why is this important to read the signs of the times? It seems to me 
with the Declaration of the Assumption in 1950, it seems Mary is now crushing the head of the serpent, hmm. but his tail is flailing in death throes. <laughs> and for the last, going on 75 years now, for the last 73 years, this tail of the serpent, he's in the death throes, but he's trying to take out as many bodies as possible so that these bodies don't reach their glory. What happened after 1950? Well, 1953, Hugh Hefner started Playboy magazine. Right. And if that's not a diabolical response to the assumption, to the declaration of the assumption, what is this declaration of the assumption? It's the infallible declaration of the ultimate glory and dignity of the female body. Well, what was Playboy mm. magazine? Playboy magazine was the enemy's approach to the female body, to treat it as a thing, to treat mm. it as an object, to treat it, to degrade it, to, to, to rob woman of her dignity. That's what pornography has done. We speak of the sexual revolution, but I think a more accurate term would be the pornographic revolution. Mm. And pornography is a diabolic mockery of a heavenly reality. It's a hellish mockery of a heavenly reality. The yeah. heavenly reality is that your body, Damon, and my body, <clears throat> and the body of every human being is destined for the ecstasy of Trinitarian bliss in the marriage of the Lamb. <laughs> That's our destiny. Mm, Pornography mm, takes, takes that and twists it and mocks it and distorts it and it's literally hellish. The pornographic revolution has been a horrific degradation of the human body. And if we are to read the signs of the times, what we are recognizing is this sexual chaos and gender confusion is an all-out denial of the original plan of God making us male and female, calling the two to become one flesh in order to reveal his eternal plan of the marriage of Christ in the church. So I know wow. I went on and on there, but that's what, no, that's, but what this, I, that's what reading the sign of the times means. Well, that's what I'm, you know, when you follow that uh, just in the impact of the culture where, you know, 1960, you talk about the, the pornographic re revolution right in then early on, then the, the church and the second Vatican council, but the culture moved right to 19, what, 66 here in the United States with, uh, with no fault, I'm sorry, contraception, right? The yes. decriminalization of contraception and then no fault divorce. And then the states approaching abortion and finally Roe v. Wade in 1973. Uh, and then we've got the rise of, uh, you know, the acceptance of uh, homosexuality and then same-sex marriage. And now we're into a gender issue. So there is also a, that, that fatalistic, if you will, view, but it's reading the signs that says, look at yes. the fruit of that. So let me just ask you, um, how, how then do we avoid, you know, that fatalism as we look to the future or even that um, idealism that doesn't yes. do the homework of seeing this attack? You know, wh what's the right posture and the right view of a future that's faithful to, to the gospel? Yes, I, the scripture that comes to mind, Damon, is from John chapter 1. The light has shone in the darkness, 
and the darkness has not overcome it. But what is that light? That light, what, what do we read in, in John chapter 1? It's all about the Word made flesh, right? The Word, what is the Word? The ultimate meaning behind everything, the, the ultimate purpose, the logos, the logic, the, the beauty, the, the design, the, the meaning behind everything, ultimate reality itself has taken on flesh. Flesh. In the mm. fullness of time, God sent his son, a male child born of a woman. It is always male and female together that reveal the divine mystery. The light that gets us out of this dark time is the word made flesh. This is, mm. this is our faith. It brings word and flesh together. Spirituality physicality, spirituality, sexuality, these come together in Christianity. And the goal of the culture of death uh, is the separation of the spiritual and the physical. Th this is the very mm, definition mm. of the word death. death. Death is the separation of the body and soul, right? Death yeah. is the separation of the word and the flesh. And let me give you a very practical example here. Uh, somebody just texted this to me today. It's from a post uh, that is from a website promoting gender confusion. And it says this, listen to this. Having a period is not a female thing. People of all genders menstruate, mm -hmm. including non-binary people, agender people, and even plenty of men have periods. Yeah. Okay, okay. With, with due respect for the deep pain that people are in, right, in these confusing times, I have nothing but reverence for that pain, hmm. right? I want to say that first. But then we need to say this. This is the clear case of rupturing words from flesh. Hmm. Men hmm. menstruate. Men menstruate. Time out, time out. Yeah, yeah. The, the word men has been ruptured from the flesh. The word menstruate has been ruptured from the flesh. Christianity is where the word and the flesh comes together. And how do we recognize the Antichrist? St. John tells us he is the one who denies Christ come in the flesh. He's the one who wants to separate and rupture the words and the flesh. This is the world we're living in right now, but the light has shone in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Wow, wow. You're listening to Dr. Christopher West, uh, president of the Theology of the Body Institute here on Trending with Tim. Chris, if you can hold on for a while, we'd love to get some calls here. Uh, please give us a call here, 888-914-9149, uh, to join the answer some questions with Dr. Christopher West. We'll be right back. Listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888 914 9149. 
We are back to the future. My name is Damon Owen, guest hosting here for Trending with Timory. And if you've been with us, uh, you have heard Dr. Christopher West, our doc, giving us uh, a vision from St. John Paul II, the theology of the body of, uh, of a future that, uh, that really not only speaks to what we're dealing with now in the present moment, but it should be received with hope. Chris, we just have a few more minutes here. And I'm, everything that you've, you've done here in these few minutes, I've had the privilege of hearing over a week long at the Theology of the Body Institute with your thousands of, of other students, especially when I was there at the, as a, at the, the executive director, just a gift to hear you unpack. What I, what I really want to leave our listeners with is the hope that you're so, you're so gifted at. It, the, the unpacking is beautiful when we have the heart to receive it. But speak a little bit about this hopeful reception that doesn't turn us into just moralists. It certainly doesn't make us fatalists and just pointing our fingers at all the brokenness of society. But give us some of that hope about how this vision and this incarnation and this right order of bodiliness and the theology of the body should should affect us right now in leading our particular lives. Yes, I, we've been talking about the great attack that the body is under. Yeah. And where does it all go? Well, the church has to follow Christ. In order to experience victory, the church has to follow Christ through his passion and death, and then into the glory of resurrection. And I believe that's what we are living through. The church, remember what is the church? The church is the bride. Christ is the bridegroom. Marriage itself will go the way of the bridegroom. How did the bridegroom go? He got mocked. He got rejected. He got spat upon. He got scourged. He got crowned with thorns. He got crucified. He, he was killed. He died. And he was buried, right? That's pretty fatal. Right? It doesn't get more fatal than that. Right. But when it is as dark as dark can be, give it three days and watch what happens, right? (laughs) The church is going the way of her bridegroom, Jesus Christ. And in some way, I don't know how, Damon, I I can't read what's exactly going to happen, but somehow the church is going to die. The body of Christ, that's what the church is. The church is the body of Christ, and the body will go the way of her head and bridegroom. She'll be mocked, she'll be spat upon, she'll be scourged, she'll be crowned with thorns, crucified, she'll be killed. Somehow, I don't know how it'll be mysterious, but it'll happen. Yeah, I've but, heard you call it the Golgotha. This is this is a Golgotha. Yeah, I believe we're at Golgotha, but Golgotha is not the end of the story. Think of think of how despairing the apostles were on on Good Friday, and yet look at the audacity of the church to call that day good. Mm. Mm. We mm. are going through a kind of Good Friday where the, the church is, is going to face and is facing great trials, great struggles, and it's focused on this attack against the body, just as Good Friday was an attack against Christ's body. Mm. What got scourged? What got spat upon? What got crucified? His body, right? The attack on the body that we're living through today in the world is a walking into the passion with the Lord. But there will be a resurrection. This is the promise. This is the Mm. pledge. This is where it all goes. And this is what enables us to be men and women of hope. Mm. 
as dark as it may get, the light has shone in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Christ's body has triumphed over the grave. And this means the attack against the body that we're living through today, there will be a triumph, but not without what appears to be a defeat. That's how salvation works. Well, you know, using your analogies, the scriptural analogy, during that Good Friday, during that that scourging and all the, you know, the, the disciples themselves fled. Uh, yes. Some stayed, some were, were by our Lord and that. So is there an analogy as well in terms of the disciples now, the apostles yeah, absolutely. now? Let us pray to the Blessed Mother, to Mary Magdalene, to that other Mary who is at the foot of the cross, and to the beloved disciple John. They were the ones who remained at the foot of the cross. Let us, Damon, even as you say it, like I'm having this visceral mm. reaction mm. in my own body. Like, I, I have this theology, you know, in my head, and I, I get it in my head, but will I stay at the foot of the cross? Will I? Or will I pee my pants and, and run the other way? I, 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 all I can do is recognize my weakness, recognize my fear, recognize my own sinfulness and brokenness, and cry out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Please help me to endure the trials that we will have to endure as the body of Christ. Uh, if we are the body of Christ, then we have to go the way that he went. Mm, mm, mm. This is Dr. Christopher West, uh, president of the Theology of the Body Institute, giving us a glimpse of a future, back to the future, that includes the great vision of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Uh, Christopher, thank you so much for sharing your heart, your wisdom, and your prayer. Uh, you've really blessed us here, and of course, people want to learn more about the work you do. You have many fantastic books. They can go to tobinstitute.org, uh, and also the courses and uh, pilgrimages and just beautiful occasions to, to hear. Yeah, can I share something others. just quickly? If, if people want to dip in, I would go to tobforfree.com, tobforfree.com. It'll give you three free sessions of our introductory course on the theology of the body. And if anybody's interested in going on a pilgrimage with us, uh, we're going to be going on a pilgrimage to France, uh, a river cruise following in the footsteps of Therese of Lisieux. And uh, that's going to be in October of 2023. You can learn more at theologyofthebody.com. Yep, and we put some of that in our, our show notes as well. Christopher, thank you so much for your time. You're a great gift, and uh, may the Lord richly bless you for your, your herald and prophecy. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome, Damon. You're welcome. Wow. Truth bombs. You know, we think about Back to the Future, and the, if you haven't seen the movie, that's where all the references are coming from, and all these alternate futures that could happen based on one change in the present, how it affects all the things in the future. Uh, and that that's that's a hopeful, in our sense, a hopeful way of looking at, you know, the irreplaceable role that you and I have in this moment right now. So it doesn't feel that way all the time. Sometimes it feels like we're replaceable. But... Um, I got to tell you, you know, when you hear Christopher speaking about uh, the meaning of the body and every body has a body and reclaiming that understanding and that dignity, there is something irreplaceable about us uh, reclaiming the dignity, but also the mission in there. And as you heard in the first half hour, uh, Matt Pinto unleashing our role in technology and uh, I don't know, I'm feeling hopeful. 
I hope you are too. My name is Damon Owens at uh, joyfuleverafter.org. Delighted to be part of uh, guest hosting with Trending with Timory. And you're, right now we're waiting for Family Rosary Across America. Let's bring our prayers to Our Lady. Good night. You know, the word is spreading around America. This is the go-to place if you've got a prayer and you want the whole country praying for it. So I invite people to join us every night for the Family Rosary Across America Live. 7 p.m. Central. Bringing Christ to the world through the media. Relevant Radio.